Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. I'll read Psalm 96 and we'll jump right in. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. And this is the rest that we didn't read yet. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Um, So hopefully we can, and you can have a seat, but thanks uh, for engaging with me in the word this morning. Hopefully we can start to hear some things uh, from God, not just as these are somebody else's words, talking about um, what it looks like to be engaged in worship, Um, But hopefully we can start to hear what God might be saying to us um, through these words. Um, And I really want to kind of jump into how this psalm itself provides a template um, for worship. And worship is not just something we do on Sunday morning. Uh, We're talking about Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Friday night, Saturday, your beloved weekend. You know, worship kind of like lives through, and we should be able to bring that to the rest of our lives. Um, But we'll talk about... um, Sunday morning a little bit, Um, and this psalm provides a template. Also, the psalmist, David, in this case, provides a template at the same time. Um, So there's a really interesting story we're going to jump into. Um, But first off, I want to tell you about a weird dream I had, which is not like a vision, so don't freak out. It's just just a, a weird dream I had, but it took place in my dream. I was right here. And you all were out there because it was... Sunday morning church, and the worship team was playing, right? So put yourself like 45 minutes ago, and we were here, we were doing worship. Um, I was watching, and I think Paul was on drums. I think Joe Marks was leading. And Matt Howard, you were playing the coolest little um, handheld electric banjo lyre sort of thing. (laughs) And he was like, Deliverance-style dueling banjos, like, just shredding it. It was so good. Um, And they were doing Hallelujah, What a Savior, which is one of my favorite songs. Um, Not quite weird yet, I guess, maybe. But the weirdest part was, uh, anyone watch The Office? Yeah, okay. Dwight Schrute, not the actor. Dwight Schrute from The Office was here. And he was just, like, also rocking out, probably because of Matt. But he had... uh, tongs and spatulas, and they were like connected, and he was swinging them like nunchucks. <laughs> he was just rocking out. And you all loved it. And you were like, woo, song was over, and you said, yeah, like you're hooting and hollering, and I was standing here. 
And I said to myself, hey, they totally stole my thunder. thunder. I was going to do that song next week, and it's not going to fly the same way that that just flew. <laughs> but B, I thought, is that worship? I don't, I don't think that counts. I don't, that doesn't seem worshipful to me. You're all just excited that Dwight Schrute is like swinging <laughs> kitchen utensils at our church. Um, so I really want to talk about, like, what is worship? Am I right? Am I wrong? Like, is there a right and a wrong? Am I the person who gets to decide that? Um, and we can see a lot of that in here and a lot of that in David's story, too. Um, so the template that we have here, I see it as Psalm 96 splits into three different parts. Um, and the first part is definitely a call to worship. Um, pretty obvious. Uh, sing to the Lord is like right at the beginning. Um, and it goes throughout the whole uh, psalm, but I, I see the first three verses, really, as that call, saying, let's engage in worship right now. Let's do it. Um, very exciting words, too. Excuse me. I underlined all the verbs, and uh, they're kind of boisterous verbs, right? Sing, 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 bless, tell, declare, ascribe, 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 bring, come, Worship, tremble, say, be glad, rejoice, roar, exalt, sing. So it's not quite like sit, think, ponder. It's a call to like be active, to do the things. In the moment, let's enjoy God's presence. Let's do these kind of boisterous things. And you might say, all right, well, maybe I can do that on Sunday morning if you really push me hard enough might be able to accomplish that, might be able to get up the energy to like exult a little bit. Um, but I think we're called to do that like not just Sunday morning, right? But throughout the week. Um, we see this in a few different places. Um, in Revelation 2, if you remember the letters to the churches, one of them is John talking to this church saying, um, you do a lot of good things. Um, you're against the things that I'm against. You're for the things that I'm for. Um, but church, I want you to come back to your first love. And so that's um, God's message to the church. It's his message to us too. Like, let's engage as though it were our first love. Like, hopefully you remember that and you remember what it was like. There was probably some roaring, some saying, exulting. Um, pretty exciting time, right? So what does that look like? That's what worship should look like. And that's what we can bring, hopefully, um, to the rest of our lives, not just Sunday morning. Um, so we're definitely called um, to worship and to be boisterous um, and to come back to that first love scenario um, and be vocal about it too. Like nowadays, if you have a first love, it's going to be Facebook official, right? Like people are going to know about it. People should know that we're in love. People should know that we are worshiping, that we love God because he's made a difference in our lives. Um, and so I guess one of my questions is like, what are we afraid of? Like, what are we afraid of showing people? Like, what is it that's keeping us um, from being loud and boisterous and exulting? Um, we look at some examples in the Old Testament, and there was Daniel. You might remember him. He, like, ended up in a lion's den, and it was safe. It was fine. It was all good. But, like, he could have easily avoided that situation. If you remember, um, the thing that he could have been afraid of was getting thrown into a lion's den. There was a proclamation that if you are going to worship anyone other than the king, you're going to be killed, right? So that's something pretty scary. That's as bad as politics are today, that's not going to happen to us, right? So what are we afraid of? 
Daniel could have done anything. He could have, like, closed his window, gone downstairs, prayed somewhere else. He could have been a little bit quieter. And he went to been put in this situation. He went to been thrown into a lion's den, but it was fine. He's like, I want to show off my first love. I want to be out loud, live it in front of people. I want to show people who I am and what God has done for me. Um, and he was safe, right? So I said we we're going to talk about the psalmist as well. David wrote Psalm 96. Um, and I know that because if I read First Chronicles 16, I get a whole long story about the Ark of the Covenant um, getting brought back to Jerusalem. If you don't remember, the Ark of the Covenant was um, where God's presence was manifest back in the time of the Old Testament. Before the Holy Spirit came and lived in us, uh, God said, I'm going to live among my people, but I'm going to be in this one place. The ark had been multiple other places for the last few years, and David says, I'm going to bring the ark back into Jerusalem. So he does, he establishes worship, and in First Chronicles 16, we get almost the whole story, including this psalm, like word for word. So we have context for this psalm. It's definitely a psalm of, come on, let's worship together. God's presence is here. The only part that's not in First Chronicles 16 is also in 2 Samuel 6. So connect the dots. I'm going to read from 2 Samuel 6 because I think this is an interesting template for how we can live life out loud. Uh, 2 Samuel 6, starting in verse 16. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window. Michael was David's wife as well. And saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among the people the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. And all the people departed, each to his own house. And David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me above your... I don't know how much snark was like in this statement. Who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. Whew. So I'm singing this song. I'm really engaged. I'm dancing. I'm excited about what God has done. I come home, and I'm told, you should really be ashamed of yourself. That's what David was putting up with. Um, so what was his decision? Like, what could he do here? He, um, I think it's pretty obvious that uh, he decided to engage, right? God's presence was there. It was being paraded down the middle of the street. And David says, I'm going to be there. I'll be there. I'll be engaged. I'll dance. Like, let's worship. Let's do it. So he's singing uh, this psalm, a call to worship. He's also doing that. He's living that out. Um, so God's presence was there in the middle of the street, and that's where David wanted to be. Um, it really kind of ties back to me to a word that we heard in this church about a year or so ago, and it was a prophecy, and it was 
you know, I'll, I'll try to reiterate it if you don't remember. Um, but it was a word that was spoken and Shannon pre uh, prepared us for us. But uh, the idea was Jesus is bigger than the surroundings, right? But he's in the middle of a river and he's calling out to us. He's saying, come to me. And we're all on the sidelines. We're all on the shore and we're a little bit worried. You know, we see that Jesus is in the middle, but that means we're going to have to wade through some water. Um, but Jesus is calling. He's saying, come to me. There's joy. There's safety. There's treasure here um, by me. So that was a challenge to us as a church to engage, to get down in the middle of it. Um, and I appreciated that word because it's very scriptural to me. Anytime you hear something on a Sunday morning, you want to compare it to scripture. Um, to me, what I heard um, it was an immediate callback to Peter walking on water, right? Um, Jesus is there. He sees Jesus. He's going to go to Jesus, um, but then he starts to lose focus, right? He starts to look other places, and he starts to get worried that he's walking on water, and then he starts to drown. Jesus is there, right? He reaches out, grabs him, and he's safe, right? There's safety with Jesus. There's a parallel here, too. God's presence was in the middle of the street, and that's where David wanted to be, too, because that's where the joy was. He didn't want to be on the sideline. He didn't want to be on the shoreline. He didn't want to be up in a castle, right? And this is where my dream, like, kind of, like, I get, I get convicted of this. I had to prepare for this sermon a few times, and I kept thinking, like, Michael was up here in the castle. Like, mm, from this perspective, not being in the middle of it, that looks pretty shameful. I'm not sure that I like it. I can look down my nose at you, and I can say, it looks pretty embarrassing. Don't do that again. I realize, right, that I am, I've been Michael in this situation, at least in my subconscious, but definitely in my real life, too. I've had to apologize to people for saying, I know better about what worship really is. I know what worship is, and it's not what you think. Right? So I've been convicted of this. Um, David's able to stand up to that. Um, but the point here is be engaged. Don't be on the sidelines. Don't be like Michael. Don't be like me and my dream or like real life. Um, but don't like discourage people from worship. Because um, it's easier when you're not engaged. When you're not there, things look different. But if you are willing to walk into the middle of it, that's where the joy and that's where the true safety is. Um, and by the way, on Sunday morning, people aren't performing for you, right? Like, I was over here. I was not playing. I was not singing. I was just watching. It's like, oh, this is a performance, and I think I can judge it here, here, and here. Who's the audience on Sunday morning when we worship? It's just one or three, depending on how you're counting, right? It's not you guys. You're not the audience. You're the performers. We're all bringing worship to God, and God is the one that we should be trying to please not the person sitting next to you, not me, right? So let's uh, just keep that in mind. And if you're feeling the urge to detract or discourage from someone else's worship, just don't. And if you're getting discouraged, well, that's the next point. Um, what do we do in the face of discouragement? Um, I see that also as a template. We can find it in Psalm 96. I see verses 4 to 9 really as saying, in the present, you're called to worship. But if you need to hold on to that, look to your past. Um, Psalm 49 talk about how great the Lord is. Um, they talk about um, all the things that he has done. 
um, glory do his name, um, splendor in all of the earth, um, and the majesty and the beauty that he's created. Um, so we get to hold on to that. When we're facing discouragement or someone is saying, um, you know, I don't think that's right, uh, we can stand on what God has already done for us. Um, and that's the point. We need to hold on to our past. We need to hold on to our testimony. Again, we hear this in a few different places um, where we need to be able to have a defense. Um, when other people, non-Christians, come to us and say, um, you know, why do you believe? Why do you have the hope that's in you? First um, Peter 3.15 says, always have a defense. Um, and sometimes uh, we need to bring those things to church too. First Corinthians 14.26 says everyone should bring something to church, a song, a word, a scripture. Um, so you have something that God's done for you, right? You have something in your past, some testimony. You know the traits of God. You know the characteristics, the things that brought you to him. Um, that's a big part of our lives, and that's how we live it out after Sunday morning, is to be able to stand back and say, I know what God has done for me. This is what I'm going to stand on. Again, if we go back to David... His response was in verse 21. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. So David stands on his past. Um, he stands on his identity and the joy that's given to him by the king of kings. He says, I was appointed as king by the king of kings. I'm not really concerned what you think about my worship, I'm not really concerned about your opinions because my audience is God, right? And so that's how he stands up. He says, I'm going to hold on to this joy that God has given me. So if you just went on a mission trip and someone says something like, oh, that sounds really lame. I wish you were hanging out with me last week. That doesn't give you a lot of opportunity to stand, right? But you need to. You need to say, hey, this is what God did in my life. I'm going to hold on to it. Because you probably took a few steps forward with God. And these things happen. You can be at a retreat, a camp, a church service, Sunday night. You can be at a revival meeting. And God will move you a few steps forward, and you'll get closer to where he's taking you. And then someone will come and say something. And you'll be like, oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, that did look pretty bad. I'm not so sure. I guess I'll apologize for all these things. And okay. And now you're... You took about nine steps to go maybe one step forward, right? We can get to where God's going if we just take our steps forward and we hold our ground and say, this is what God did in my life. I'm going to hold on to it. Try to document it. Share it with other people. Um, or you'll end up in, I've ended up in the circumstance where it's like, I think I'm fighting the same battle I fought a year ago at this time. I was just talking to Keith uh, the other night. I was like, it seems like something I was worried about a year ago. I thought, like, I worked through it with God. It's like, I didn't maybe hold on to it. So try to share with other people, document, and don't take any steps backward, because God will still get you where you're going. It's just going to take a lot longer. And it's a lot more steps. And who knows if you'll be able to get to the next point after that. So don't go undo the work um, that God's been doing in your life. And don't let other people steal that joy away from you either. Um, so document and share what God has been doing in your life um, so that it's something you can hold on to. Um, because people, and they might not do it intentionally, 
um, will try to seal your joy away, though. And the devil certainly is going to try to seal that away and just push you back when he sees you making progress. He's going to try to push you back. Um, so find ways to hold on to that and talk about your past, your history, what God has done. And that's how worship turns into not just what I'm doing right now, but it's a story. This is where God has taken me. Um, so there are detractors, right? There are people who are trying to discourage, uh, people who are trying to take you backwards. Um, there's also people who just aren't there, right? It's people who aren't as joyous, joyous as Dwight Schrute, right? They're, they're not dancing. Um, and they might say, uh, I'm not at that place, you know? Things don't seem as wonderful as you're describing them. God hasn't done all of that for me yet. How do we engage people who aren't there, who aren't living in the world's most joyous state? Um, that's the end. That's the end of Psalm 96. Um, we see a picture of the future. Um, the Lord reigns. The world is established. Um, but it's not perfect yet, right? We still have something to look forward to. Um, we have the future, and we have a promise. And we find that in Scripture, too. Um, so we have the past um, is where we come from. We have the present is we're called to engage in worship today. Um, but we do that by looking towards the future and saying, yeah, creation is great, but it still needs reconciliation. God's still doing work. If you're not feeling like everything's perfect, you're right. Everything's not perfect yet, but God's going to keep doing work. Um, in Samuel, 2 Samuel 6, 22, David's response is, I know my future. Uh, I'm going to keep worshiping. I'll become more contemptible to you, but I'll be honored among these servants. Um, and I think, in my reading, Psalm, the, the last verse, which is that she goes childless, this is just my version, but I don't see that as like a punishment from God. I see that as she, that relationship was broken because she separated and she did not engage the same way that David engaged, and she, there was contempt there. And so she was never able to reach God's promise um, uh, for fulfilling uh, her life there. But that's just my opinion. I might be wrong about that, but that's the way I read it. Um, but David says, I know my future, and I know that I'm going to be honored among my servants, even if I'm not among you. Um, so what do we look forward to? What do we look forward to as Christians? Um, 2 Peter 3.13 talks about the new heaven and the new earth. These are words that are seen throughout Scripture, um, new heaven and new earth. Um, but in the New Testament, that word for new is koina, which is Greek for like new in nature. Um, not new in time, not like I had this light bulb, it burnt out, I went to the store, I got a new one, replaced. Not completely different, but different because it's changed. Um, like renewed. Um, I'm guessing I'll hit every demographic with these two shows. Uh, Pimp My Ride and Fixer Upper, right? <laughs> In both scenarios, I had something, and by the end of the show, it's new. It's different. Um, all the bad stuff is gone. There's a lot of good new stuff, and everything has been restored, right? That's what God's doing in our world. That's his plan. And maybe we don't focus on it all the time, but it's definitely here. Um, we can read about it in Isaiah 66. We have a picture in verse 22 and 23. As the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, 
So shall your offspring and your name remain from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath. All flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. So it's not like we're in some weird like metaphysical state. We're still worshiping before the Lord. There's going to be times of Sabbath. Um, there's going to be names and offspring and everyone will uh, remain. So we have a picture that worship is still going to happen. It's going to keep happening even as we uh, recognize uh, this future. This future, um, and if you really want to see that picture of the future, we'll jump to Revelation. In twenty-one, uh, Revelation twenty-one, verse one through five says, "Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband." And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. All things are being made new. The bad stuff is going away. The good stuff is just being made more because God is here with us and everything is being reconciled. He's still in the business of reconciling uh, earth to him. That's going to happen. This is what we have to look forward to. And I just love this vision. So I'm going to keep going in uh, Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is what we can look forward to. If, no, if you're not experiencing joy, A, hopefully you've seen something in the past that you can hold on to and say, that's going to project forward. God's going to keep doing this work in me. God's given me a vision of what my life is going to look like. B, there's this vision of a reconciled earth where we're going to be able to engage because it's not perfect now, but God's still going to do that. And the trees will exult and nature will sing and we will all be able to be um, in this place. And that's what we're looking forward to as Christians, this work of reconciliation. So that's my last point. The worship is also anticipation of the kingdom come. What will the kingdom look like? Um, so it's inviting your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers into your day-to-day, -day, into your worship experience. Say, hey, tomorrow... I'm going to be at a Sunday night prayer service. Last time, this is what happened. It was awesome. This is what I expect God to do. Are you in? Right? Using uh, the past and the future to bring people into your present. Um, bring them into your experience with that testimony and with that promise. Um, because we're not just excited about a theoretical goodness. We're not just with head knowledge saying, God, we're glad you're good. We think we know this. It's written down, so we're going to go to church and we'll feel good about it. It's an experience, right, that we've had. That's what we can share with people around us. Um, it's an experience goodness. Um, it's an engaging goodness. 
Uh, it's an expectant goodness. We need to expect that God's going to do more of the same. Um, and that's how we can be confident in bringing this to the people around us. Um, so I just want to close by saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. The whole chapter is this call to worship. Let's do that. Let's engage where God is. Let's get off of the shoreline. Let's step down from the castle. Let's get in the middle of the street, right? And if God's there, let's say, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's get excited. Let's get a little boisterous. And let's say, I know that God is good. And let's experience it so we can bring it to others. All right, I'm going to pray and we'll ask the worship team to come up. Father God, we just thank you for the ability to worship you in spirit and in truth. Uh, We thank you for everything you've done in our past. Thank you for everything you're going to be doing. And we thank you for the ability to worship you in the moment. And we ask that you would continue to grow us and call us. We know that you're inviting us in, and we know that there's safety and joy there, but Lord, just break down any barrier that would prevent us from taking that step, from saying yes, from going uh, to a time or a place where you have called us um, because we know that that's not where you would have us and there is joy, there is safety, there is comfort, there is love where you are. So we just want to step into that. We want to um, get to know you, get to love you more um, as we go into communion and we get to experience and remember another time where you have shown up, you've given your life, you've shed your blood for us. Lord, we just thank you for that. And we want to remember that. We want to take that as an invitation to come forward and experience you more fully. Pray these things in Jesus' name.